Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Extraordinary Souls podcast with me, Mark Haslam. Hope you guys are doing well out there as always. Um, I got a great chat coming up with a gentleman by the name of Kenneth. Um, he openly and honestly shares his story about addiction and it's it's a great chat. I'd actually like to thank Kenny for coming up and, and being so open and honest on about his journey through addiction and, and speaking about how he kind of turned himself around, did a complete 180 and is now is now reaping the, the benefits of it. Um, it's an inspiring story. He's a he's a good guy, and if you if you meet him, if you met him, like he's a, he's in a great place. And to hear where he was a few years ago is just it's it's amazing to see somebody turning around. Actually, it's a weird kind of a link between me and Kenny. Um, I met him at a recce healing course, and then I met him at another recce healing course, and then at another one, and then a Rahani night and a shamanic drumming we just there's a weird kind of a parallel between me and kenny and our journeys um yeah so it's kind of strange and then to hear that he is going back to college to study counseling and psychotherapy and i'm actually doing the very same um going back to college myself to study counseling and psychotherapy which is weird it's um that the two of us are doing the exact same thing at the exact same time again um yeah so actually on that note if you do notice this podcast slowing down uh, it's not because i've lost interest or i'm um stepping back it's just I'm, I'm busy busy with with college stuff you know that's that's where my life's at now i know i know it's hard on you guys you're going to be disappointed you're going to be watching out for them i know i know i know he's relying on these podcasts so much <laughs> Um, no, but genuinely, that's that's the reason. If you do not want to slow down, then now they mightn't. I I love doing these podcasts, so I'll try and keep uh, keep knocking them out as much as I can. But yeah, I'm a busy man. Like I've got a pencil case now. You know what I mean? That's where my life's at. I've I've got a pencil case, and I'm reading books that's uh, that aren't normally I read spiritual books or stuff stuff like that. But no, these are psychotherapy books. It's actually really interesting. I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting stuck into it. I'm really enjoying it. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. And yeah, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If you do know of somebody who is um, going through a, a hard time with addiction, or um, if you know somebody who's affected by somebody else that's going through a hard time with addiction, if you know what I mean, you can share this podcast over to them. And it's, it's worth listening to Kenny's Kenny's journey and how he turned things around. Um, there's a lot of stigma with, with, with addiction and it, there shouldn't be we're we're all living this life it, addiction is part of it and it's a it's a weird little trap that that we that, that we go down and it is part of society and it's 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 not something to be hidden it's not something to be ashamed of it's part of life and to hide from it it, it won't won't benefit at all shine the light of awareness on it and um, be open and honest about it yeah, so it is. It's a great chat between me and Kenny, and um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you are doing well. I hope you're living as best as you can. And uh, yeah, have a look at your inner, your inner world. That's where it's at. Uh, yeah, that's the important one. Your ukupacha, as the shaman call it. Um, yeah, much peace, much love. Take care of yourself. See you on the next one.
Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Extraordinary Souls Podcast with me, Mark Hazard. I have with me, my mate Kenny. What's happening? Well, Mark, how are you, bud? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for coming up. Thanks for asking me to come up, yeah. yeah. I really appreciate it. No problems, no problems. Good to have you up here. We've been chatting away for ages before we clicked record on this. We nearly we, we nearly missed out <laughs> on a potential podcast there when I was just <laughs> talking shite before we do this. Uh, we said we talk about addiction. Yeah, yeah. Pretty big subject, I guess. It's a fairly serious subject, but we won't take it too seriously if we can. Uh, how how has addiction affected you or in your own life? Yeah, um, I suppose, yeah, it caused me a lot of hassle um, for a long time. And it was something, I suppose, that I wasn't aware of in my earlier teenage years that... Uh, you know, you always hear like that uh, weed is a gateway drug or that, you know, t- it's basically that like um, <clears throat> the consequences of it are always going to be very kind of negative. And where I grew up and, and, and the people I was around in the area I was in, um, it was a council estate like, and, you know, we were, there was a lot of us in around the same age and, and it was the norm to be out smoking fags at, at a young age and, and drinking and that and then like, <clears throat> like moving into hash and stuff um, at that age it was kind of just just normal hanging out with friends just thinking like not knowing um i didn't realize how much um i was getting from it mm. and I, I i suppose i didn't realize the signs that it was becoming a problem um and that like i, I kind of stopped playing sport and I'd lost interest in sport and I just kind of constantly constantly wanted to be smoking and, and, and drinking what age were you roughly you around this say? yeah so I literally st- t- uh, was going into first year in school um, so I'd just been thir- just gone t- from 12 to 13 years of age like and mm. um, you know like and there was all the older lads around school and stuff as well and they were all smoking it like so like, there was a huge group of us go- in the secondary school like and obviously we were all together getting high every day and then I was actually leaving school and going up home to the council estate and being out in the back fields and you know like kind of messing and 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 smoking, smoking dope and and that progressed then you know progressed into like class A drugs like and mm. and, <clears throat> and drinking and house parties and different things and still not seeing it as an addiction, just as fun, just kind of no real serious consequences at that age like just mm. having fun uh saving up my lunch money and different things like not not seeing that that was all kind of um do you know i'd be obsessing over it during the weekend and couldn't wait till the weekend to come to kind of be with friends and mm. to be kind of planning stuff during the weekend that, and that would lead into me then obviously getting off my head on the weekends and um Lying to my family where I was, saying I was sleeping over with friends and this, that, and the other, and I was off, God knows where, like, and <laughs> getting into all sorts of trouble, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Like, some of it was fun, like, a lot of it was fun until it stopped being fun, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, but yeah, I suppose then realizing that actually when I didn't have it, my moods were changing, you know, that was that, that was, was weed your main one? It would have been, yeah, weed would have been in the earlier years, uh, my, my main drug, and then. Yeah. Um, it just gave me the sense of comfort and it gave me that kind of kind of sedated feeling and and i suppose it was something that i wasn't it was something that i craved i suppose that kind of feeling of numbness and and kind of it slowed me thinking down mm-hmm. you know and uh, 
I kind of the music that you'd listen to as well as a result of smoking dope at that age. Like I started listening to rap music and and you know Eminem, Fifty Cent, all all these and, mm. and um, I suppose I kind of created a persona then, you know, or an image of 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 who I was like and mm-hmm. and uh, I suppose. What happened then was like that. I I, I kind of started getting involved with, with with selling selling dope and, and different things to kind of because my habit got stronger as I said like and, and yes it, like addiction is very progressive and and it progressed and and like I was getting more than I could afford to pay for as a teenager obviously so mm. hanging around with older peers and seeing how they were doing it I started to follow that kind of road too and I think one of the biggest downfalls was that uh, it took me away from my education. Because I stopped, um, I stopped focusing in school then, you know, because I, I was obsessed. I had an addiction that I wasn't aware of. And I was in school, I just couldn't wait for the lunch breaks, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just to get out and have a smoke with the lads. And uh, couldn't wait till three o'clock, half three, get out there, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Go home, smoke on the way home. like. And not only did it separate me from uh, uh, kind of being uh, present in school, but I was obviously hiding it from my parents as well. And... and so I'd come home like and, and I'd be straight up into the room like or whatever you know and I wouldn't really show off face because they'd be able to see then like hey, what's wrong yeah. with your eyes and my mother said to me what's wrong with your eyes kind of and I'd say ah, I'm just tired or ah, whatever you know I had loads of excuses all the time yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 and um, like eventually they, they, they found out like you know and but yeah so for me it was kind of I didn't realise I was developing an addiction <clears throat> Um and it did progress and it got a lot worse and I think we'll talk about that uh, further on but mm. at that time I'd kind of been smoking it for years like at this stage you know I was like 16 at this stage like mm. 17 like and it, was, it just became the norm for me like of course know? yeah um, so like yeah it, negative consequences like and the negative consequences just get worse and worse as your addiction progresses. like and at, and at that age of 17 like I'd already been sniffing cocaine I'd been taking ecstasy tablets mm. you know I'd, I'd uh, taken acid you know like I'd and, and on several occasions, like, and, and my drinking became very, very heavy, like, you know, and I just constantly wanted to be away at myself, like, and I, I never understood that, um, why I was always getting into trouble when I drink, mm-hmm. why I was always owing people money for drugs, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, why, like, uh, did I always need to have something? I could never understood that. Like, if I got frustrated or night, oh, I need to have a smoke or I need to have a drink or yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I need something because things didn't go right or whatever. You're having a bad day or yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't manage my own emotions, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, and that's a lot to do with, uh, I suppose, parenting, and it's a lot to do with kind of um, like your growth in your younger years and. Mm. Um, and I, I don't blame my parents today. Like, I don't hold them accountable for that. You know, I'm an adult and, and I navigate through life how I've navigated. And as further things have gone on, I, uh, with the energy stuff and the healing work and all that, I see it very differently now. Mm. But, um, but just from that point of view, like, uh, I grew up very kind of, I was actually very shy as a child and I was very kind of, um, do you know, I was very small. Mm. When I was a kid, like, I was really tiny going to school and all, in right. first year and all. Like, do you know, I got picked on a lot. And my father was kind of the father who worked all week and drank on the weekends, you know what I mean? Yes. So there wasn't that much kind of connection with my father. And again, it was a council estate. My parents didn't have a whole lot of money and there was four of us in the family. So, yes. yeah. you know, and there was constantly drama, like <laughs> four young lads running around the place, you know. So all, all brothers, all boys? All brothers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, like, you know, there was, I, 
it was just the way it was and it was just the area we're in and, and it's just kind of our circumstances you know and i think you become a product of your environment like and that was kind of the people and the group i fell into mm. and it's i felt comfortable in that area and i felt comfortable in that group it was kind of where i fit in and obviously that's the drugs and the different things like that that were kind of around um we were all able to kind of wear the masks you know and um, yeah. You didn't sit down and say, well, how are you feeling today, buddy? Oh, I'm not feeling great. You yes. know what I mean? That never happened. Like, there was always kind of an ego and, and a kind of a strong masculinity there. Like, you'd be all slagging. And, and so, <clears throat> you know, you kind of grew up with that kind of a thing. And and that's what I'm saying, like, the rap music and different things. That all kind of, um, it kind of fitted, fitted the mask. You know what I mean? Yeah, persona. Yeah, and, and, and behind all that was fear you know mm. fear of not being accepted fear of being rejected fear of not being able to fit in around people like you know and like and, and that's why i use drugs as well because of my insecurities and i didn't know that at the time but when mm. i started smoking dope as i said the feeling i got off and the warmth and the kind of not my head had slowed down and i wasn't trying to do everyone else's thinking or, or you know and i yeah. wasn't as concerned and things weren't so serious in me anymore you know and and that for me was 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 how my addiction started because I was getting all these kind of warm feelings that I wasn't getting anywhere else, yeah. and I didn't have within myself, you know. And it developed into kind of obviously uh, a habit, and then it developed into an addiction. And then I ended up when I didn't have weed at that time, I felt worse than I did mm. before I started smoking weed, you know, because I had yeah. the cravings and, and my body being withdrawn. I tried to stop smoking it and different things because there was times in my teenage years where I knew that I wanted to stop smoking it because my fitness and my foot and just different things like that would, would and I'd say oh, that's it I'm stopping and then a couple of days later I'd be back smoking it again because yeah. I was addicted to it and I'd be trying to sleep at night and I couldn't sleep even without it because mm. I'd be so used to being sedated it's like having yeah. a sleeping tablet every night having a, having a joint you know so like I was addicted to it and yeah like it just it kind of robbed me in my teenage years and you progressed then did did you go on to harder stuff or was did you did you just was weed the main one and you used to sprinkle in for want of a better word no no i did no i did end up taking harder drugs yeah um like like the head shops the head shops that time opened oh yeah that's right they were and uh, it was legal in ireland yeah it was crazy it was the worst thing that ever happened i think in in a sense but at the same time it was like Freedom. Great at the time, yeah, because yeah, you could get away with it, like you mm. know what I mean, and like you could just walk up to a shop at two o'clock in the morning and just ask for what you want and mm-hmm. throw it out the hatch to you, you know, and like um, I I started taking the snow blowing them that that all the sniff out there and like I went to my devs like and to think back even looking back to pictures and all like and that like. I would I would hate to see a young fella in that state, you know what I mean? Mate, in the state that like, you were in. That's supposed to be a celebration for your school and all, like, and all it was for me was it to get out of my head, like, and, you know, mm. and I know you'd go and if you're a young fella normal, probably have a few drinks or whatever, but, mm-hmm. like, it was a complete, absolute, like, uh, drug session for me, you know, and, and that was, that snowblow stuff was very dangerous because you couldn't sleep or nothing after taking it, like, you know, and it mm. kept you, like, it was horrible, like, and, and the only way you'd feel better is if you took more of it, like, it was kind of, it was a weird drug and I ended up addicted to that for a while, so I ended up addicted to the head shop drugs and it was a bit cheaper and you could get more of it, like, so mm-hmm. it just had, it was like a double negative, you know, and, mm. and I was getting the King Bee and different kind of weeds out there, like the King Bee and the Salvia and all these kind of things and, I'm not sure what was in the chemicals, but it was not in, like it was not in, like smoking normal grass. 
but yeah, it did progress and it progressed into then there was party pills you could get out of there and different things like and mm. like I'd taken XC over the years and I'd taken sniff over the years and that, but nothing like this. Like this was kind of full on. Yeah, like and I was like at the age of eighteen, I ended up in my first treatment center. Like you know, down in really? Bowie. Like yeah, but it's because the people I was around and and they kind of like. My parents were actually after kicking me out of the house as well because I was getting in trouble and and like I was just I was just causing trouble like and I was coming mm-hmm. up there out, out out my head on drugs like and the guards might have picked me up a few nights and dropped me home and just different things that happened like and you know like they they, they didn't know what to do with me in no. fairness to them no, no like they no, didn't know what to do can't. like yeah yeah and like my father was like I'm not supporting this anymore because mm. from the age of say fourteen. Like, there was many Halloween nights I got brought home by the guards, like, drunk as a young fella and mm-hmm. getting arrested just for being carrying on. And plus the guards seeing me drunk as a young fella and saying, like, what do you whack at home? Like, and yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, mother and father being woke up thinking I was already in bed and here's the guard bringing me in. Bring you see what door. I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was just kind of loads of distrust and, and kind of... Uh, They'd uncertainty with me, like, and they could never, like, I was awful, always lying where I was and what I was doing, like, because obviously I was doing things I shouldn't yeah. be. <laughs> And you'd be, <laughs> you'd be getting, you'd be getting in trouble for it, like you mm. know. So obviously, I was kind of in denial a lot, and kind of uh, wasn't taking what they had to say seriously. So I was disrespectful to my parents, basically, mm. you know, like, and and that's where I'm saying, like that. I don't hold them, I don't blame them for everything that's went on. Like, no, I, I take ownership. Yeah, because you, know you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely. completely. Like it's uh, my decisions. It was my addiction, and like they done what they thought was right. With yes. their son, like they didn't mm. expect their son to turn out the way I turned out, and unfortunately, yeah. that was the way it was. That was the way it was, yeah. And like you know, so when they kicked me out, like it kind of was an eye opener for me, like Jesus, like what do I do now? And I have friends that took me in, but they were all involved in drug dealing and different things like that. And okay, yeah. It just got, it just went down into a bad road, and I kind of actually realized one night as well that like I actually don't like this. You yes. know, I don't like this, but I couldn't stop using it. And I was around people who had drugs constantly, so it kind of suited me addic- the addictive nature of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I didn't like it. You know, mm. I didn't like who I was becoming. And uh, things kind of got out of hand a bit as well. Like, and I was getting sicker after. Like, I was taking a lot of tablets as well, sleeping tablets at that time. I started taking prescription drugs. Yeah. And not realizing how dangerous they were. They are. Yeah. Yeah, and they're actually very dangerous. And like. Um, Ah, oh, like there, the, the, like there was days I went around for three or four days, like not remembering it, complete thing, like you know mm. what I mean. I completely gone on tablets, and people be ringing me saying, "You owe me money, Kenna. You got stuff off me there the other day, or you were down here, you mad thing doing X, Y, and Z." Like, and I, I wouldn't remember stuff like I'd be looking at my phone, I'd be getting all these missed calls and messages, and you know, so you completely like it's it's a very dangerous thing, uh, sleeping tablets if you abuse them, mm. and. Uh, it kind of got me into kind of an awful lot of trouble as well, but uh, the progression, I suppose, and that's what I'm saying, like, people say it's a gateway drug weed. Um, uh, for me, it was a gateway drug, yeah? Yeah. Um, and, and I used it until I found something that was giving me more, and that's the progression of addiction. I used cannabis, mm-hmm. and I continued to use cannabis continuously throughout until I got clean, but um, I used it until I found something that was giving me even more intense feelings mm-hmm. that I was lacking in myself, you know, Um and uh, when did you end up stopping? Well, How did that start? Well, as I said, I went to a brewery, a treatment centre down in Limerick. And that was uh, when you were 18, you said, 18 was years of age, yeah. And I left that after a couple of weeks because I didn't really want to, I didn't really want to accept I was a drug addict, you know. Okay. And that's kind of very important because without accepting it, you won't, uh, it's been you my experience. Progress. Yeah. Yeah. And I left there and my life got, went, got, got unmanageable again. 
because I started drinking and started using a couple of weeks after I left. Mm. Uh, obviously not finishing the program. And uh, that took me into more addiction and kind of more chaos and more madness and more kind of like my morals kind of I suppose as well it's very important to say that God, kind of like what I valued and things that I kind of seen as wrong like they, they got less and less like and less like you mm. know and, and desperation because my addiction got more powerful like the things I was doing that I wouldn't have done before I was doing now the people at home around me and the stuff I'd seen kind of hardened me a little bit you know and yeah. not that I'm saying I was I'm not, and that's not an ego thing that's just what addiction does to you like and so my morals kind of got less is what I'm saying and and, and like I was kind of reckless at, at a stage like and that took me into going into treatment again uh, so after you came out you went back yeah, all this stuff and then went back into treatment yeah, did you decide to go back in treatment yourself well no I had kind of gotten into a relationship with someone mm-hmm. <clears throat> down in down in I actually stayed down in Limerick for a while, uh, sorry, in Kerry, when I finished that treatment centre, a family member of mine took me in and they thought, look, we'll keep Kenneth down here, mm-hmm. we'll get him a job and, and X, Y and Z. And they didn't understand the nature of addiction either. And they didn't yeah. understand it as a mental illness. Mm-hmm. And they didn't realise that, like, without treatment like that, it's not going to work. No. That's what I mean. My family members took me in down there and they had to kick me out down in Kerry. Like, do you know what I mean? They didn't realise what they were taking into their yes. home. Yeah, yeah, do you know, yeah. they seen me obviously as as their their nephew but they didn't realize that the consequences of having someone with addiction in the family home yeah and so when they took me in they, they were taking in someone who couldn't be trusted someone mm. who'd be telling lies where he was and, and and like it was crying for a few weeks but then i started coming home drunk you yes. know i'd be up the shot to where i was was a little village and there was no off license right so you could only go up to the shop and the shop only sold bottles of wine right <laughs> So I was going off and getting twisted on wine, like drinking uh, Jacob's Creek, I'll never forget, and bottles of wine, white wine, and I used to be absolutely twisted. I'm laughing now, but at the time it was creating lots of hassle, right? So I used to go back to the gap and I'd be twisted on my head, like, you know, and I'd be, the next day I'd be half clueless of what was going what on. What happened? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, how'd I get home? Yeah. Mm. Oh, then me, the auntie used to drink wine as well, so there was some nights I'd get away with it, you know what I mean? Because she'd be like, uh, go up and get me two bottles of wine, I'd go up and get her two and I'd get myself two, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But stuff like that, so I was trying to hide it as well. But the, you know, like as I said, it progresses, and like I just start getting twisted every day down there, you know. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you needed something. Yeah, yeah. Why, why do you think you needed something? Why? What do you think that unease inside you was? Well, there was huge discomfort in me, and and I from 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 like so you so you say you were you were thirteen or so when. When when you when you when you start smoking weed and that, were you say when you were twelve, for example? Yeah, no, I'd say. Did you? How did you feel then? Like, were you were you always a bit uneasy? Yeah, I see that. That's the funny thing. Like, um, I didn't realize that until I got into recovery. I did. I wasn't. I suppose I wasn't aware. And until I got into recovery, I I couldn't really see exactly the extent of my pain yeah um but looking back on it my childhood obviously i felt kind of like the black sheep in the family yeah right and uh i kind of felt unloved my father wasn't always there and he was very aggressive with us and he'd be no harm giving you a thump if you were bold and he'd always kind of shout at you and then like we were four boys we we're always getting into trouble and yes. we'd be killing each other and fighting in the house and breaking things and all and mm-hmm. 
Do you know, like, so my father had his hands full with us when he'd come home from work. My mother had her hands full with us. And my father would come home from work and he'd be tired and stressed. And then he'd hear so-and-so oh, done this in school. Or, or he's yeah. out there breaking the window in the state with a football. Or, yeah. do you know, something like. And there'd just be always something because we were four header balls, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he'd kill you, like, you know. And yeah. Um, so I always kind of grew up in a bit of fear and I grew up like you know, yeah 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 I understand yeah and, and kind of always on tippy toes like and around the house because you'd be afraid to do something you know and that was just the way it was so like mm. I had all that insecurity and that kind of fear in me and um, I just I think when I just found found cannabis at the time like I remember sniffing petrol even before that like when I was like 11 I was someone's lawnmower one day and just even that feeling, like, you know, just took me out of myself and took away that, like... Oh, the, the anxiety yeah, and the fear. Yeah, yeah. I didn't... Re- like, you don't realise that it's doing that at the time, but just the feeling is so intense. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you just want more of that because it's a good feeling. This like, feels uh, better than when I'm not on Yeah. Mm. And, like, so when I start smoking cannabis every day, like... Uh, I'd be going home to the house and the father could be blowing off steam or whatever, like, but I could just go out and smoke a giant and everything be grand. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Rather than going around and anxious or annoyed or shouting in my head, fuck him, or, you know, I hate him, he's this or he's that. Just an yes. angry, you know, just being angry. Like I know, I understand. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I think it's funny as well that you'd always forget the times that he'd be good to you or the Christmases, all the presents. And, and like, mm. you know, he'd often come home from work, like, and he'd, like, I remember one time he'd come home with, like, a really expensive remote control airplane for me, like, and he was a young fellow, he took me off, like, and, yes. You know, but you'd forget all them times, like, you know. I know, uh, I know, yeah. And you'd only see the bad times, like, and, and because you want, because if you're only looking at the bad times, that's excuses for you to use or blame or, or do you know what I mean? Be resentful, yeah, yeah. Um, rather than see the good things as well. Because I know, yeah. Well, like when you when when good things, when you experience good things in life, you look back on them fondly. They're they're good times. Mm, you know what I mean? It's mm. fun, uh, and you can forget about them. And there can be many of them, and they can come in different ways and mm. different forms. But when something happens that emotionally scars you or, or emotionally traumatizes you slightly it sticks it's like uh for me anyway i'm speaking about and i'm sure everyone else that you've been hurt there so it's like don't go back there or there's a trigger point something mm, to stop you mm. feeling that pain um so that anxiety is almost like a protection thing would it be right in saying that it's like you're trying to protect yourself and you found weed you're like jackpot here yeah, we go. <laughs> yeah, it was like my safety blanket, like and, yeah, and, and like I never took heroin or anything, mm. but like, and I work around people who who are heroin users now, and, and you know, like, and and sometimes you hear like using heroin is like a soft, warm hug, like do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and and it's like, so what you're missing is a warm hug. Yeah, you don't need the heroin. What you needed was a hug. Was you a needed love. Mm. You needed plenty love. of love, yeah. and you didn't get love. And I think. Mm. My father's way of deal of love wasn't the way I needed love. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe my older brother found it different. Maybe he found that that discipline was how he, you know, or whatever. But for I know, me, I know. But for you personally, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it didn't yeah. work for me. It, it actually created the very opposite for me. I felt unloved, like I said, like the black sheep. Mm. But um, I think I suppose going through therapy uh, like when I got clean I went to, I'd done five months in the treatment centre and then I went and done the secondary treatment centre right? what, what, what age were you when, you when you went clean fully so I was 22 I was 18 in the first treatment centre mm-hmm. then I was uh, 19 when I went to my second one and I actually relapsed in there mm. and I left and I went back into addiction full blown like and, and, and it got really bad like but then obviously when I was 22 I went back into treatment because my life became completely unmanageable 
Yeah. Like I ended up in psychiatric hospitals. I ended up homeless for a little while. Really? Yeah, yeah. It got really bad. Like, and that was just on sleeping tablets and drinking and coke and being in debt and different things with drug dealers. And do you know, my life just got really unmanageable, man. And, and, and my mindset was gone completely. Like, my self care was gone. Uh, like I talked about rock. You hear about rock bottoms in recovery. I I had hit severe rock bottoms. You know, and um, just got involved with people I shouldn't have got involved with. Just just where drug addiction takes you. Like, and and mm. um, eventually I got caught with a lot of drugs. Mm. And um, that was a huge turning point for me in my life. Like, and uh, do you know, I had to go to the guard station. I had to kind of hand myself in because I wasn't there when they found them. And do you know that at that moment, like they were saying, do you want a solicitor and everything? And I just kind of said, no, I don't. And they were like, we seriously advise you to get a solicitor. Like, mm-hmm. and, and like they had everything. They had like me, me, the drugs. They had like a, they had loads of different things like Wayne Skate. You know, they had all my my paraphernalia. Like, yes. and, and uh, they literally had everything. Like, and. Uh, I just said no I don't and uh, when we sat down and uh, and that like I just admitted I took ownership for everything mm-hmm. you know um, again they were asking me where I came from that and I just wouldn't rat on people because I'd be terrified what happened of course you know because when you're in that game like and, and you're caught up in something like that you know it's uh, people think that you can be protected but sometimes you know it's it's, it's safer just to just to take the hit and just leave it at Yourself, that like, you yeah. know and, and mm. accept that you were wrong for what you done and mm. that like you know because i could be looking over my shoulder like for the rest of my life or, or afraid to bump into someone or just you never know what's going to happen like mm-hmm. so but i did i went in that day and i just kind of accepted that yeah it was my stuff and that it was everything was mine and I explained to them what I was caught up in and they said at the end, I was writing you on to say and I said, yeah, there is, I'm seriously caught up in drug addiction. I said, and I have a problem. And I said like that, I, this is a result of me problem. Like, you know, and I was very honest with them. I said like, I'm not in this to make money. Mm. I said, there's no profit in this for me. And there wasn't. I yeah. was just a means for me to use more to drugs. To use more. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would yeah. never wanted to be a gangster or any, that kind of carry on. That yeah, was never my goal. Mm. Like, as I said, I set out at the age of 13, 12, 13, like, with a cannabis addiction. And it just progressed. And mm. then it progressed to this place where I needed drugs or I needed ways to use drugs. And selling drugs was a very easy way for me to use and yeah. drink. You know, there was never any holidays or fancy cars or anything like that in my oh, yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there you was just no, but no. Private jets or going around in rags, man. <laughs> going around in rags and it just couldn't, no matter how much drugs was put in front of me, it was never enough, like, you know. Yeah, and yeah, drink, yeah. drink is a drug in my opinion, like, and it was just never enough, like. Um, mm. So what happened was, yeah, that, 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 that court case that would have been coming up for the drugs I got caught with was a turning point in my life and it uh, pushed me into kind of, um, wanting to be changed because at the same time where the drugs was found was, now I was getting kicked out of that place so now mm. I had nowhere to live again uh, I was in serious debt I was also had the trouble for them drugs that I'd just been caught with of course um, my mental health was gone man because a few nights before I got caught with them drugs right, I was actually sniffing stuff that was similar to the head shop drugs it's right. called Metadron right and uh like, I was sniffing this stuff for, like, seven or eight days straight, like, just constantly, every day, I owe my head on this stuff, right? And, because uh, I couldn't get coke at the time, and I burnt so many bridges with people, and people just didn't want me around them, do you yeah. know? Because I was became a nuisance, like... you bad to do business with. Yeah, yeah, and just so, kind of, like, I'd wreck your head, you know? I'd wreck yeah. your head when I'm around you, just constantly wanting stuff and that, because I was just so... Uh, my addiction was so bad, like... Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's just where I was at, and, like... I ended up getting this stuff anyway and I was taking it for seven or eight days straight and one night I was lying in the bed and uh, 
my heart was like really thumping in my chest and thumping. I was on my own and it was black dark in the room. I'll never forget. And I kind of just turned around to him and said, you're going to end up dead soon, man. You know, and that thought, like the thought of that didn't even... I didn't even like I didn't even care like you know and that that's the sadness of this like and, and people don't understand when you're taking drugs like that society unfortunately some of society unfortunately look down their noses at people and like like to be a whole, like to be in the room that time and, and to feel that way like and to, to for me for me addiction to have took me to a place that like I just didn't care whether I lived or died anymore like yeah. you know I just I mean that's what I'm saying that you end up degrading yourself to a level that's just so horrendous like you know that yeah that like you just feel like you're nothing, you know, and you're viewed as nothing in a lot of places as well. And I don't mean to be bad saying that, but a lot of places I went to, I was looked down upon, like yeah. And society kind of shut doors on me a lot of the time, like, yeah. And like you'd go to doctors and that, and I'm not mocking. Some doctors are very good, but you go to doctors and they just give you more drugs, like you know, and, and yeah, you'd start manipulating doctors. Then like you just literally live one day at a time, like you're just in that day, using for that day, and whatever happens in that day happens. Happens like, in that know, day. And, like there was psychiatric hospitals, there was hospitals. Do you know what? There was loads of different things, like uh, consequences of drug addiction, like and and like that. That moment in the bed, it was just, it was just always stood out to me when I got into recovery, like that. It was a lonely kind of place for me, and it was kind of a place where I'd kind of gotten to it. And I think for the first time, I kind of realized that, like, this, this is going to kill you, man. You know. Mm this is going to kill you, man, or you're going to kill yourself. And I did end up in psychiatric hospitals because I tried to overdose on tablets before, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I'm saying, like, my mother found me overdosing as well, like, at one time, like, you know, and she saved me life, like, you know. And, really? Yeah, like, and, and that's how di- this addiction is so powerful. Like, my mother, I remember when I was back home and I was in the bed and I was crying and I was in bits in the bed, like, she come up and she was crying at the end of the bed and she was begging me, like, please promise me you'll never do this again, like, you know. I promise you, man, I promise you, like, I wasn't out of that house two days and I was back using like I mean yeah. like it's just the cons like like you don't care about other people like you just haven't you got the capacity to, to care. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, not you, it's you not that you don't care. care. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's just that your addiction will come first and you're sick. Like when you're sick from something or you're run down for something or you have all that anxiety in you and you're stressed out and whatever, like yeah, whatever you're feeling like the addiction will thrive on that, like and you will you will do what you have to do to use, like, you know? I just want to move on from that, like, you know, because when I got into that treatment centre, like, and that, like, um, I think I, I always remember when I went in there initially at the start, I was all over the place, like, and I, my life was... Is like, this when you got clean? Yeah, yeah. So just, just, sorry, just to, to clear clear up the timeline, so you were up in court for being caught with, caught with whatever, whatever, whatever stuff. Did you then go from there into, into this, this treatment centre or was it a little while after? No, that? I had, a, the court case would have been pending, right? Mm. And, uh, Obviously, I was getting kicked. I got. I just had been kicked out. I'd just been caught with the drugs. And I was just getting kicked out where kicked I was out, from. Yes, yeah, yeah. And uh, like when I went back to that house, like uh, after this, after being with the guards and that, and like getting caught, like obviously, uh, when I went back, it was an auntie of mine who took me in, like uh, at the time, like and uh, she was like, "You're gone, like get out, like I can't have this, like do you know what I mean." Mm-hmm. In fairness to her, like and, yeah, and like she was absolutely right, like and. Uh, I just I just went upstairs up into the room and I'll never forget it was like one of these little rubber wash basket things she gave me for my clothes at the time and I just fell back into that basket and I just broke down like and it was the first time in, in ages that I'd actually really broke down and, and, mm. and I just started bawling my eyes out like and I just didn't know what to do uh, I was whole, I was just in such a bad place like and here I was getting kicked out in order to go again and 
and like I think this was like a spiritual awakening at the uh, you know for me it was anyway um, I kind of just was sitting there in the basket crying as what am I going to do like just God just please help me like just help me like you know and I was so desperate like and the thought just came into my head at that time you need to get into treatment you need to sort your life out mm. and literally the next day I made the call and they were like yeah come down in two weeks for an assessment and so I came down and I had dirty urines obviously because everything like you know and mm-hmm. I had to you had to get clean urines to go in so I had to go back and I had to stop using for four weeks so you had to be clean when you went in yeah yeah, okay. yeah because I wasn't on heroin you see I would have been coming down off methadone and I would have got in then into a, into a drug detox so I had to do my detox at home okay but in fairness to my younger brother uh he found out that I was trying to get into treatment, like, and uh, he actually came and picked me up. He's like, "Look, you're coming up to stay with me. You're going to stay in the house. You're not going to be going on." Mm-hmm. And like, in fairness to him, like, you know, he he only for him. I don't think I would have got into treatment. Mm-hmm. Being honest with you, because uh, I would have used like he was going down every night. I'll never forget the off license for me, and he'd be bringing me up twelve pack of cider just to keep you on the drink, just to keep me, just to keep me from leaving the house. To yeah. use, like, you know, and obviously people were looking for me because they owe people money. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's people knocking at his door saying, look, Bobby, owes money. Like, Bobby's like, I don't know where he is. I haven't seen him, like, do you know what I mean? You'll but be upstairs drinking upstairs, the cans. Upstairs, <laughs> hiding, you know. Yeah. But that's, that's just where it takes you. Like, yeah, well, yeah. He'd done his best for me at that time, like, because he just knew, he probably, no, he did know, because he said to me, he says, I have a funny feeling you're going to be found dead soon. He said that to me, like, do you know. Mm. And uh, look, playing the tape forward, he kept me right. I got my urines right. I got into the treatment. Actually, went into the treatment with alcohol poisoning. I was drinking that heavy because my addiction was so strong. My hands and all used to flare up. I used to get rashes in my hands and in my feet and all and everything. From oh, the alcohol? Yeah, because really? I'd be drinking no so heavy. I was, you know, because I just couldn't have nothing in my system. And... Uh, Anyway, I got in there, like, and, and kind of, it was tough at the start, kind of settling into a house full of 20 lads, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, I was around my third or fourth week in there, and a woman, I'll never forget her, came into me, Nicola, and uh, she just started talking to me, man, like, and just openly just started talking to me, just kind of treating me like a really, res- really respectful, really nice to me, really polite yes. to me, like, she was like, you know, I have a son your age, Kenny, like, and, and he's going to college soon and all, like, and... You know, he's his whole life ahead of him, like, and you're only a young man, Kenny, like, and you're, she goes, like, uh, you know, you have all them chances in life too, like, and she goes, I want you to hear, she goes, you're more than your drug addiction, you're so much more, she said, you're a good, you're a good person, she said, like, um, and um, she said, you're more than your mistakes in life, you know, and well. I, yeah, like, and, and I broke down that, that day with her, like, and I started to kind do, of, do you think you broke down because you knew it was true? Yeah, I knew it was true, and I knew as well that I could have a good life. Yeah, you know? your, it was in your hands. Yeah, I knew yeah. that I could do better, um, but I just didn't know how, you yeah. know what I mean? And I didn't yeah. understand addiction. I didn't understand addiction at that time, you know? I just knew the chaotic, like I knew my life had gotten completely chaotic and unmanageable, and obviously with the court cases and everything, like all these rock bottoms got worse and worse, of and, and it led me to that point. And I think as well, I was at a point in my life where I was able to listen and hear what people were saying to me. Nicola kind of obviously seen that brokenness in me. Of course. Because it's her job and she's probably seen plenty of young lads. Mm. But she really kind of, I suppose what she done was she gave me love and hope. Mm. And she and she confidence. She helped build me, rebuild me confidence, you know, yeah. in there. And she take you out and you do work therapy and you do all these things. Like, So here I was, someone who was living a chaotic life to going in here, to getting up at 6am, 
getting out of my bed, getting me breakfast, going for meditation. Like, come, would they meditate? Yeah, in, in yeah. Well, well, very different to what we be doing, uh, yes. Mark. But yeah. very disciplined meditation, very hardcore for someone who's just in the door. Right? Yeah, well, I suppose it would have to be, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But but I was doing the meditation, right? And then you come out of that into 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 different things, like, and you do your bedroom bedroom, and then you get up and you do house chores, and you go out to work therapy, and then group meetings, and and, and like they had a gym in there, and like you'd eat certain times of the day obviously and stuff like that but it was very rigid structure and you had to shave and you had to kind of be well presented in there and stuff mm. and you weren't allowed to wear hoodies and you know you had to kind of really express and show yourself like okay yeah and um so what was happening was i was getting all this structure and discipline as well every day yes and uh that was obviously empowering me a bit and and, and i was taking responsibility for me and you were held responsible for your own things everyone was given their duties yes. and you were responsible why if that wasn't done like responsibility and, and trusted with things and and stuff like that stuff that you wouldn't be used to in addiction like you mm-hmm. know and out there in active addiction so like uh, i was recovering and all of my confidence was getting back and i was making friends i was mixing my lads and we were in groups talking about our feelings mm. like that was alien to me like my i only have like really anger was probably the most feeling I expressed yeah or else false sense like ego stuff like you know like uh, acting like the hard man like that they were that was how I I didn't understand in my addiction like you know there was never any sadness or softness really you didn't really act like that in addiction yeah you had to kind of be hard like to stay using and and to to stay strong like in groups and different things like you'd be walked on and so in there like to take all that 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 shell or whatever you want to call it kind of breaks like and and just start to express yourself and you start to talk about things like and like then you get counselling there I got counselling there like and I was able to talk to counsellors about stuff that happened to me and stuff Mm. that went on in my life that shouldn't have happened to me uh, and and things that I done to people that I shouldn't have done like and relationships that with with women that didn't go end well and different Mm. things like and stuff that really I kind of didn't understand affected me until i stopped taking until, drugs yeah 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 um when, when you stopped was there a clarity like when you like say after a long period of time uh, that you looked and went wow look at that yeah like was it was everything that a little bit clearer do you think? yeah because i finished that treatment center right and i went to a secondary place right and that was four months so i had actually done nine months of treatment so I was nine months before I was back out in, say, everyday society, hustling, bustling. Okay, life. yeah. And I'd gotten my weight back on. Do you know, I'd made, mm. my, I looked well. I kind of, uh, I had I had enough time away from my active addiction to know that I wanted better. I had a mm. court case still coming up. I still had drug debts to pay off. I still had loads of relationships to rebuild, most importantly the one with myself. Yeah. You know, and I had this ongoing recovery plan where I had to do aftercare for two years. I had to go to, I went to a, a, a drug awareness thing, a, a CE scheme, right? Mm. And I was doing that five days a week, an aftercare program, and I was getting meetings in a, in a, in a fellowship which I can't actually I can't say the name of the fellowship because yeah, it breaks its anonymity but it's yeah. for people in addiction and, yeah. and so I was attending them meetings regularly as well like mm. um, 12 step programs like mm. and, and then like you know so I, uh, I was doing all this stuff and like do you know do you ever hear people saying people see the change in you before you see it in yourself mm-hmm. well that's what was happening loads of people were seeing the change in me but I wasn't really seeing it because it was yeah. still very early days like and, and but I was trying my best and um, like they, they call it early recovery. Like when I left that treatment, I was still in very early recovery. Like and I was still mad because I had I still had to unlearn a lot of things. At that time, there was still a lot that I had to kind of remove and get rid of. And uh, like I said, I I, I actually got another counsellor then 
uh, through a place called Macdar in Mead. Okay. Uh, and uh, like I have to say, I want to say that like that they were extremely good to me over the years. Like and like only for them, like they the, the counselling and the support they gave me was huge. Like and, really, and yeah. yeah, like they put a lot into me. Like you know and. In fairness, I'm not just going to say that, like, I kept showing up, like, and I put a lot into it too, like, you yeah, know. You have to, don't you? Yeah, but, like, I got so much support, like, and when I stood in front of the judge for the court case that time, like, I had letters, because I, 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 I got letters from the treatment centres and that, and it wasn't, like, that I wanted just to get these letters and, and, and get away with it, like, I actually wanted a better life, and uh, that showed, yeah. that showed, like, that, that I wasn't the same person that made them mistakes, like, and what, why, why I shared that about at the end, when I, when the guards asked me in the section, like, uh, is Ratten you'd like to say, and I said, look, I'm caught up in a drug addiction, and, like, that, mm-hmm. this isn't for profit, like, that, that this is just a circle, for me to use drugs, like, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, like, that was actually, the, that was actually, the judge actually reflected that, like, you know, yeah. and, uh, that this man wasn't, uh, you know, I was against his will, and different things like that, and, so like it stood out to me like that, uh, you know. I was I was trying to be as honest as I could like, uh, and and I got a three year suspended sentence. I got a chance at, at, at the progress in my recovery like, and my life started to slowly rebuild like. I was getting them meetings and like, the three meetings, four meetings a week. I was actually getting more than that and. Um, I was doing that CE scheme, like, uh, and the counselling. I didn't, like, I suppose the counselling was a huge part for me because I didn't realise about trauma. I didn't realise, I knew from being in treatment, but I didn't actually realise the extent of it, like, and yeah. I had to go through, uh, you know, I went through many years. I was going every Friday for the counselling, and, like, I had to unravel a lot of stuff, like, I had to go through the family dynamics. I had a sister that died uh, before I was born and a caught that, like, and I didn't realise this how all these things affect you. Effect, you yeah. know, and, and affect the dynamics of a family and I didn't realise what my mother must have been going through as a result of, of losing her child and my father, like, I didn't, yeah. you know, like, and I lost my grandparents very young on my father's side and that. Mm. Like, so it was just, even all that stuff without my life or my growing up, like, oh, just the family dynamics, yeah, I had to yeah, kind of, yeah realise how that affected me unravel them how they affect everyone yeah Yeah. like and growing up with my older brothers and just like there was just even the dynamics of the family and I had to do a lot of work around that stuff right Mm. but like what I'm saying is then I had to go into my own traumas Mm. And, and stuff that happened to me and conflicts I was in and the relationships I was in and, and how I felt about my family maybe kicking me out and just loads of stuff like there was a, so much there like but I was like going like I like some of my counselling sessions were very deep and I could be crying I could be on the floor screaming you know just some mad stuff like the body just releasing that trapped energy the right, trauma yeah. like, and that's what trauma is a trapped energy like yeah. and um, you know I was very grateful to that therapist like I'm still friends with him today like and because what he done for me was huge, like, you know, and, uh, and like, where I came from in addiction, to be able to sit across from that man and express myself and, uh, and to feel the feelings and relive some of that trauma and get rid of it, like, uh, it stood the test to me, I think, in my recovery because, uh, you know, uh, if I didn't really do that work, would I have relapsed? Probably, yeah, because I would have been getting triggered in loads of different places yeah. and not managing. And you wouldn't have known how to deal yeah, with it. Yeah, like, or I could have been at home, like, and I can't use drugs at home anymore, obviously, so my father does something to trigger something from my childhood, and I haven't done that work, and I go, end up going drinking or going, you know, or yeah. whatever, like. So, like, it really stood its test me because I've been through a lot of challenges in recovery through my own family, through my own experience, through jobs, through careers, the conflicts with people, and I've never had to, thankfully, ever since I stopped using in 2016 turn around and say I'd love to use I need a drink I need that like do you you don't drink now I don't drink I don't drug I gave up smoking as well in 2016 I completely gave up everything believe it or not um 
I, I just kind of stopped everything. I actually read an Alan Carr book, How to Stop Smoking, in treatment. Oh, I remember that one, yeah, yeah. In treatment, I read that book, like, and lads would be out smoking at the smoke break times and all, and, like, after two or three days, I kind of just, just lost the uh, edge to smoke, like, and mm. uh, I think because that woman, Nicola, built me confidence so well, and she showed me my worth, she reflected my work back. I was really driven then and I really wanted things to change. Because like, I, I believe a lot of my time in my teenage years and all, I was just longing for support and longing for people to build me up and encourage me and drive me and support me and things. And I didn't get that. Yeah. But when I started to get it then, I really ran with that. Like You, know? you knew that this is yeah, your opportunity. You yeah, had. Like, and yeah. I'm still very driven today. Like, and I, I think I'm driven as a person and that's I think, didn't help me in my addiction because the, the level of the consequences I got into my addiction because I was so driven, I do want to use like you know and yeah uh, you, it was it was pointed in the wrong way then yeah but like it's but still there now you can you can you can use it as a fire to, to yeah, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely but like just just to kind of comment on the recovery part because i think that's more important like uh, is that like without doing all that work that i done myself like and getting all the meetings and doing me two years after care like and and committing to that stuff every thursday night like and and just doing everything that was asked me in early recovery and i was making mistakes and i was doing things i shouldn't have been doing in early recovery and i was mm. just finding other ways that weren't as harmful to escape from my emotions for a while like overeating or overtraining or uh, things that are positive if, if it's in moderation not mm. not mm. excessive yes you know so there was other behaviors that i started focusing into to distract me and then I learned that actually okay I'm spending a lot of time doing this now and now when I'm not at that I'm constantly thinking about going to the gym or I'm constantly thinking about mm. having a takeaway tonight or you know yes. so that was becoming my new addiction like you know but I, I, I started to learn all these things because um, addiction manifests into different things believe it or not do you reckon that obviously what you went through was was, was, was drugs and, and uh, I remember hearing Russell Brand saying that he was addicted to heroin Mm. And he said he was lucky that he was addicted to heroin because it was so visibly obvious to everyone mm. around him that he was in a state that he that he couldn't get away with it. Yeah. Where if yeah. you have an addiction to, as we I, I briefly spoke earlier about gambling or um, food, food as well. Like I mean, people people get addicted to food, shopping. People may have had traumatic stuff in their past that that like you you you've you've figured out how to deal with it you figure out that it was there and now you know it you can recognise it do you reckon some people can't see it and, and operating in, a, in an in an addictive fashion I guess but it's 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 it within the acceptance of society whereas you, drugs aren't whether it's sex um, yeah uh, gambling yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever it may be right mm-hmm. that is only um, the substance right so regardless of the substance, it's what's going on that you need to rely on that substance constantly. That you haven't got the the kind of, um, I suppose, maturity and the level of kind of emotional maturity within you mm-hmm. to regulate your emotions in a kind of very positive way. Mm. You know, so you, you don't have that kind of emotional strength. So it's easier to lean into something that distracts you from that. Yes. And it gives you temporarily rele- temporary release. Yeah, and, and that can be in any like I, there's so many ways of distracting like phones now 
TikTok yeah. and all these things like they're all just addictions in my age you know they uh, are yeah. now look some of the platforms are good and you can use them for goodness mm. but a lot of it you can easily get sucked into it and, and that's why I don't use a lot of social media because do I'm, you an, not? I'm, yeah, an addict, because I'm very addictive as a person so I could easily e- get even now do you, do, you, do you think there's an addictive quality to your, your, your yeah, personality yeah. Yeah, that you have to manage yeah it's like this I could buy a chocolate bar on the way home this evening right mm-hmm. and I'd enjoy it and then tomorrow evening I'd be on, I'd be in the shop and I'd say, you know what, I'll just get another one. And actually, you know what, I'll just get two. Mm. You know what I mean? And then before I know it, I'm going on a binge of chocolate bars. Do you see yeah. what I'm saying? And that, and that has happened to me. Like So the addictive pattern is always within me, I think. I'm addicted by nature. Like I have an addictive nature to things. Do like. you do you reckon that's genetic? Or, or? I, I don't know. I, I don't believe it's genetic. Um, I believe I developed it. I've developed an addiction in me from and, from and, social yeah, or from conditioning from yeah, situation of your yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. My mind is conditioned into like um, it's very hard to unlearn a lifestyle of that because in my life I became so dependent on addiction on drugs. Mm-hmm. So I became so dependent in my addiction that like that was my life, and like using was a do or die for me. Like so, it was that serious within me? So it's very hard to unlearn that. Like uh, yeah, uh, and like I I just know from experience that even in recovery. Because obviously I'm in recovery and I'll always be in recovery from addiction because I think mm-hmm. I'll have this addiction until I die. And and I'm very comfortable with that. Mm. Um, but so like it will always manifest. Like, But I find that like for me, spirituality is a huge part of it. Yeah. Like, there's 12 step programs and different things and you learn a lot through them. Like, but it's, like, it's always what's going on behind the addiction. Like, and and like a lot of stuff stems from childhood it could be an incident happened in life or you went through a traumatic event and you didn't so what happened was you went through pain or you weren't loved properly you weren't supported properly as a child mm. or whatever it may be but it's the fact that you never got to express yourself right or you mm-hmm. never got supported right through an incident like my brother got burnt badly in a fire when he was very young I was like 11 at the time like he was in hospital for 2 years he got third degree burns on his back and his legs for 2 years he was in hospital yeah and he was only young like he was only uh, if I was 11 he was just nine I think he was nine or just gone ten he caught himself on fire because where we grew up was a council estate and it was always carry on and yeah, bikes being yeah, yeah. rallied and cars being rallied out the back fields and all mm. and like it was always fires and he was obviously messing one of the fires but like I never got the chance to express myself properly until I got into therapy around that incident and how I felt and the fear I felt and my brother had gone for ages to the hospital not seeing him for a long time like I'd probably go up once every couple of months to see him like you know and uh, there's only one car in my family and different things and like usually like for a long time my mother and father were only allowed up to see him and we mm. weren't because of the state he was in like you know what I mean and he, like, he had to do a lot of therapy and all and that so, Himself, like, yeah. so like there was so many traumatic incidents that I had to kind of Unlearn, good process. Do you get me? Yeah. So it was trapped emotion. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And no one expressed it. the fear I got and the fright I got. My brother that time, and even like the visual images of him. Mm. I, I, that was a very traumatic experience for me. Like, and like, you have to understand when you're in addiction, you see things like active addiction. You're out there around groups, or you're hanging around with the wrong people. You see things that aren't very pleasant. Of course. You see people overdose, and you see a lot of bad things. Like, and and like, you just use on them things. You don't think not of them. You know, but it's all trapped in it, trapped like a trauma, like it's what it is. And for me, I suppose it's it's my recovery was recovering from my trauma, and I'm still recovering from it. And I think I'll be recovering a, a lot for a long time, like, yeah, you know, yeah, um, I reckon so. Um, but like that, when so that's when you're asking me about like, oh, like all the different types of addiction, I, I, I don't look at it as an addiction, I look at it as not why the addiction, why the pain, 
Yeah, why the pain? Why yeah. the pain? And what's going on behind that pain? Like, and, and if you can relieve that pain, like you'll obviously have to withdraw from drugs and, and understand addiction and learn about addiction and what it does and, and, and the different parts of addiction. But then behind all that is, 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 is you were looking for feelings of comfort and you found them in shopping, sex, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do we get you back to feeling comfortable normally? You're mature, emo- emotionally mature, like, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you do you think from your own experience that's true facing the the traumatic events and speaking about them through counseling yeah. open them up and, and and almost accepting them and when something triggers you around say fire for example with your brother that you you don't go oh that's I, I don't know how to deal with that I wouldn't mind a drink because pain is coming up you've dealt with it you've held that feeling enough so that when it comes up again you're like uh, this isn't pleasant, but I'm all right with it. I've dealt with it. I've looked at my traumas, and this is one of them. That that people need to do that more. Need to need to speak more and communicate more about their traumas instead of trying to, um, you know, cover it up and fit into the societal blocks where they where they look like they're okay and and everything's fine and nobody wants to hear your problems anyway or you don't want to seem like you're some sort of a you know problem. Yeah. You know yourself, man. You know. That's that's the way a lot of society works, unless you've close friends or or a counselor. That uh, that d- d- do you reckon that that's that's a way speaking about it, finding comfort with it? I'm nearly seven years now since I uh, since I last used like, and I've continuously been working on myself over them years, mm-hmm. and uh, like growing uh, spiritually, like emotionally, physically, like I've grown kind of very kind of. I'm mentally strong, like, uh, and like I kind of maintain my disciplines, um, to keep me right, like you know, and exercise. Uh, uh, I still attend my meetings, you know, in, in the twelve step programs. Um, you know, I pray. It's ongoing. I'm, yeah, I pray. I meditate. I because it's all about balance. And like, mm. like two years in recovery, would I have managed that stuff? What you just shared there, like, no, I probably would have been all over the place. And there was times when stuff was coming up for me, and I was manic. And I was, you, you couldn't face it. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, because it just it'd trigger a chain of emotion in me. I could be angry, frustrated. Yeah. I could me my self esteem I ah oh, is this really worth it? I'm never gonna really get wet. Do you know like you just go into this low self esteem. Like it, the work you do on yourself is very important in in recovery like and 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 staying on top of things because I've seen so many people relapse. Like a lot of my friends that I was around in early recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a lot of them are back re- have relapsed and uh, a lot of them are, haven't come back and some of them are dead you know and, and that's yeah. the sad part about addiction like this actually kills people like and, and like a lot of my friends uh, not all, like a few of my friends are dead but a few people a lot of people sorry a lot a few of my friends are dead but a lot of people that I uh, associate with in early recovery and, and and people I've met recently in times like a lot of people I know are dead yeah. you know it's takes this thing takes lives like and that's the sad part about it. Like you meet people and then you'd be at a meeting or something. You'd say, oh, how's so-and-so? Oh, yeah, he, he's dead. Like, he, he took his life or he overdosed or, you know, like, yeah. and, and, like, there are people that I've connected with and shared experiences with and, and kind of been on the recovery journey with, like, yes. and, and, you know, it's, it's very sad, like, because you see, like, that, that people are killing themselves as a result of not being able to express their pain, like, and not being able mm. to get free of, of the compulsion to use drugs, like, and, yeah. like, it's, addiction is so hard, like, and, and, like, there's people who've been in recovery, I know, for 10 years, like, and have relapsed, like, and gone back using Really? Them. Yeah, and, like, that could be me, like, there's no, there's no such thing as, uh, 
you're done and you're done you gotta always watch that if I not if I don't maintain this uh, I can fall back into the bars of chocolates won't be nice enough the four or five bars of chocolates are nice won't be nice enough and I want something else something yeah. a bit nicer something and something like, a bit nicer a bit, yeah. before I know it uh, it could be sex it could be anything but it'll yeah. lead me back to a place where nothing's good enough and I'll keep wanting more of something to change how I feel mm-hmm. and, 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 and that's what happens if you stop going to meetings or you stop working on yourself you know mm-hmm. you stop looking at because it's addictive nature we, our addiction will lead into things and I always say uh, like if I'm not spiritually well in myself then, then that's a bad sign because I get resentful I get kind of negative I don't view I don't have much gratitude in my day Mm-hmm. And I don't take the beauty of life, that the gift of life that I have every day, and I respect that and honor that. You know, um, there's people out there can't get clean, and I, I have a few years clean, like, and I'm living a good life, yeah. and I've rebuilt my life. You know, from I, I had no careers, I'd not, like, and I've gone up and learned huge things, and and in the space of, like, I was using for over a 10, 10 nearly eleven year, and like, in the seven year that I'm, nearly seven year that I'm drug free. I've done so much in such a short space of time, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and like, like, so like, I'm so, gr- and I appreciate that. And I never yeah. want to go back to that person that was lying in that bed or sitting in that wash basket, you know, I never want to go back to that desperate person, like, uh, yeah. uh, and all the relationships, I rebuilt relationships with families, with friends, with people, like, you know, and like, I have a good relationship today with my family, they're very good to me. Like, I'm very good to them, you know, and just just so many good things, like, and I've met so many good friends and stuff like that. So, like, the work that you do is essential, you know, yeah. and, like, I always encourage people, like, to, 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 like, really progress in this stuff and don't take your eye off the ball, like, and, but like, just because I, and I'm very driven as a person, as I was saying, so I was very driven into my recovery, like, I was very driven into, into it, and I took it very seriously because of the fear of, of going of, back of going back yeah and being back in that cycle every day of chaos and drama like and it gets worse like and like when i relapsed in the treatment center that time or when i relapsed down in kerry like my mm. life got worse way worse and then i went back yeah. to treatment and i relapsed in treatment and then i thought my life was bad then and then it got way worse worse, worse. you yeah, know really bad worse. like and, and like the overdoses and and just the whole thing like it's just an existence trying to exist and trying to survive through pain like by using drugs tell me this um you got yourself out of it with help obviously yeah but you 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 were in a place where you were looking for help as you say at that moment in the wash basket you're that was almost a collapse we all i would imagine yourself included know somebody who is suffering from addiction and is living their life the, the way you are maybe not as bad but but maybe maybe through drink they're drinking a lot or whatever and do you reckon that they can they can be helped out of it it's very hard when it's someone you know and they don't want to help themselves i'm sure you're you're as you said your mother cried with you and, and whatnot but but even at that she she couldn't really have helped you out of it like can can you help someone get out of it it's it's kind of their thing isn't it you can maybe guide them a bit but i, I always say like awareness is only awareness without mm. action well, uh, sorry again sorry awareness is just awareness without mm. action so like you could be aware of something mm. and you could be aware that your life is a mess but without taking any action 
there's nothing's going to change like you know and like them times I went to treatment and I relapsed I I, I wasn't ready to stop using yeah do you know I just wasn't ready, ready I just yeah. wasn't ready to accept that I had a drug problem and mm. that like my life was chaotic I wasn't ready to accept that like and sometimes sadly people are never ready to accept that and they use till they die Mm. you know and, and that's the that's the sad part like or, or some people just keep coming in and out and in and out to get periods of of uh, being off drink or, or off coke or whatever and yeah and, and then they just keep going back in a cycle and cycle and they can never break that cycle you know my family wanted me to stop for years but i yeah, couldn't stop but you couldn't and like they tried their best with me like in t- at times like and, and like like my mother begging me that time at the end of the bed yeah. after finding me mm. Odin, please stop and two days later I was out using again yeah do you know because it's just the addiction is so powerful yeah and and, yeah. It, and like people say oh he's a choice he has a choice to stop it's not a fucking choice it's not a choice I did not choose to be caught with all them drugs I did not choose to be going around with me head hung low me face all bat- battered up missing teeth I didn't choose that who wants to choose that yeah, that's the result and consequence result. I didn't want to be lying in my bed thinking my heart was going to burst and just accept that that was my fate yeah. he was a young kid one time very happy very joyous do you know what I mean had fun I just yeah. became a product of my environment and a result I developed an addiction yeah. that was so powerful that it took me to places that I, could have, I couldn't do anything couldn't, about yeah, yeah. do you know and like you know you just set off with something and you don't know where you're going to end up no. and and that's the same with a relapse some people relapse like I always say this to people your relapse your next relapse could kill you yeah you know and people that's so common people relapse and die so yeah, like like you can't just like it's different strokes for different folks see because of that woman I suppose in the treatment centre and because I was showing love and care and uh, and my self worth and self esteem got built up and, and that, that that person I viewed myself as an addiction was slowly starting to move, remove itself mm-hmm. and I started to see myself worth that that I started to f- feel them feelings of love within me and, and them good quality feelings, you know, and that, and that kind of was like, it kept me moving and kept me progressing in, in recovery, like, because there is a phase you go through, like, and, and like, uh, the obsession to use drugs does leave you, like, after a period of time, like, and yeah. for me, when I, I was in treatment for nine months, like, so the obsession to use had left me after about, I'd say, two and a half months in treatment. Really, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, the rest of it was working on yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was lots of personal development, like. Uh, so, the way you are now, I met you at uh, Reiki, Reiki Healing Level One. What got you into Reiki? How did this the the spiritual is it from from the same wave of Yeah, of I'm I'm I'm, gl- I'm glad you asked that because I was hoping we'd actually move into that as well. Um Yeah, so just like being in recovery like I I I I I found like the spiritual side of recovery very important because the spiritual aspect of recovery is is it's a kind of it's a big part of people recovering. Oh, it's all about kind of like connection with like with, with, with like source or your higher power meaning higher power meaning God of whatever your view of God is like yes. and, and and so so for me like I I remember getting into yoga yoga very early in recovery like and it was just kind of something that had presented itself to me and I started getting into it and I found it really lovely the relaxation and all of it mm-hmm. like and it was kind of like another high in itself like yes. you know um, but like a healthy high yes um and then, like, in that CE scheme that I was telling you about, there was a lady there called Dee, like, and she was very spiritual, and she was actually doing Reiki on us as part of our, like, kind of tr- 
the part of the course like and really yeah 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 and i used to love it because you'd be zoned out like and it, the, just the feelings i used to get like i didn't know anything about chakras or or, or energy points or, yeah, yeah. or or any of this stuff or like intuition or any mm, of this mm. not them words didn't exist in my life like <laughs> you know um but yeah so like i was always kind of I, I found myself always kind of connected to that and um um, I, I went through obviously Yvonne and Nasalistic. Um, she had a lady there called Kate, who I actually met at Electric Picnic, right? Mm. My first year there at the Body and Soul, because Nasalistic have like a tent there. That's right. And uh, I went in there to do like a thirty-minute therapy, not knowing who I was going to do it with. And I, your woman came out and she's like, "Oh, there's only there's only a, a thirty-minute therapy Reiki session. Do you want to do it?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. Why not?" Mm-hmm. And uh, she's buzzing around, drug free, like happy out. You know what I mean? So I was delighted to go in and get it done, like. And yeah. I went in, and I'll never forget Kate. She was dressed in pure white, and she's we actually are good friends today, me and Kate. And it was actually her that got me into to doing the level one. But anyway, I went in there and I done that Reiki with her that day, and it, it was so powerful. Right, the yeah. session I had there was just it really opened me up. It really like I think all my chakras just kind of opened or something, yes. you know. It was just huge, right? And uh, like the feeling I had after just the like the connection I had with it and, and with her and that. And like, she came out afterwards after the session, she goes, Kenny, I just want to say to that you have a lovely energy. And I didn't really know what she meant. <laughs> like, yeah, lovely yeah, energy, yeah, like, yeah. what? Thanks, Bill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I grew with myself. Do, do you want some? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you want me to give you some? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no she's like you really have a lovely energy I didn't want to stop working on you she said like it was just so nice to work with you and all and I was like this is great and all and uh, she was like look if you ever feel like you want another session here take me card mm. so I did take her card and I didn't hit do anything with any of that for like a year after that like and I just had her car I used to drive around a little red the old Corolla and I had her card in the kind of where the smoking yoke is. And one day I just pulled out the card. And I was meant to pull out the card. And I was meant to keep that card in there for as long as I did. Looking yes. back, right? Yeah, yeah. Obviously with the work I've done in myself up to date. And uh, I went and I rang her. And I said, jeez, I'd love to get one of them sessions off you. Blah, 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 blah. And it didn't happen at that time. But about four months later, we actually met up in this and had a session. Right. And we actually got to sit down. It was a proper hour long and she really explained things to me and we went through it. But during that session, some profound things happened to me. And um, like really like stuff came to me during the session and like I was brought back to me. That was another session where, but just really deep stuff happened. And like um, I really got into Reiki then, you know what I mean? I really felt the benefits of Reiki. Reiki, And for anyone who doesn't know what Reiki is, it's a healing energy. Like it's a kind of hands-on healing energy. Like and... um, so she was doing that with the hands, like, and I was actually able to feel like the energy from her the whole way through my body. She, we connected very well, like uh, yeah. I suppose, or I was really open to her energy or yes. whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, accepting of it. Yeah, like uh, I was very receptive to it. Yeah, yeah. like and, and so I met her again and again a few, probably three or four times over the course of two years because COVID came and different things as well. Like, but just uh, so she was actually the last time I met her, right? Um, she done a healing on me. I was going through a bit of a crisis with my family. There was a family incident and it was very traumatic. Like, and I was doing therapy and that. And I went to her. I said, "Geez, I better get a session." And I went yes. to her, and like she was aware of what was after happening to my family because we'd be communicating all the time, like outside of the sessions. And um, she was like, "Geez, yeah, come up and get a session or whatever." So I went up and got a session with her. But during that session, like I had released so much stuff, like emotionally. And she actually brought, it was actually, I don't know what happened, but it wasn't her. It was just the way the energy flew that I actually went back to when I was a baby in the car. And it was a really beautiful kind of thing that happened. Um, 
And like I actually got, I remember at the end just crying like and she just come over and she put her arms around me it's like it's like yeah, like uh, that's something like that has never happened to me. I said I don't even know why I'm really crying over this. Like I don't know what it's doing, <laughs> I but know, I don't know what this yeah, is. Yeah. But it was just so beautiful. And like yeah. uh, you know, I can't remember much of my childhood probably because of my drug addiction and blocked mm. stuff out as a child because mm. you know, fear and trauma and all that. But so she left for America, right? And I didn't hear we were texting the other time, I didn't hear her at and then she just sent me a screenshot of the le- the level one. And she was like, Kenny, you're so ready for this. You need to go That was where it. I met you with this one? Yeah, yeah. No way. When like, she was in America, she's Yeah, in so she where? was obviously still connected to the Lakeshore or, or to Yvonne or something. Yes. She said, like, you're ready for this. You need to do it. So I connected with, obviously, that. And I said, right, and I paid for it. And we went. And, like... At, like before all that like I was always into meditation and, and different things like and, and I done like 8 weeks or t- no I think it was 12 week mindfulness course at one time and different things like that like mm-hmm. do you know what I mean so I was kind of really getting into that stuff and yes so when I went through level 1 I didn't realise that uh, uh, universe was putting me in this place you know mm-hmm. and I didn't realise that I was being guided by stuff and I, yeah. I wasn't aware of all that like you know you'd hear things and that like but I never really fully and I'm still only getting an understanding of that stuff being honest with you like yeah. I still find it hard to trust in different things but <laughs> but like so we met when we met at that stage like uh, I'm kind of doing quite well for myself and I'm not worried about my problems and I'm not really like caught up in myself anymore like I'm just mm-hmm. kind of getting through the grind of life like yes. uh, and college and trying to progress with stuff you found your feet a bit yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like a lot of stability at this time and like mm. and I'm, um so here we are at this level one and we're learning about Reiki and different things and I love the feeling of Reiki and I love what Reiki done for me so I obviously had a good interest in it of course and uh, meeting Sinead obviously as you know was like she's like an angel like you know yeah, and she really like, is yeah. huge amount of love for that woman because like she's really held space for me a lot of times since that like and she's been very loving to me and really kind of helped me a lot and um, yeah it was just weird how we how we progressed through the Reiki like and, and like I didn't realise that the Reiki was going to have me where I am now Mm. do you know and us like together and that and so i didn't realize that like the what the achievements were or any of that stuff I you know what i mean like uh, uh, wow like just like the, so it opened basically my 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 opinion on the whole thing was like it opened me spirit up more to to, to uh, the awareness of, of of like the universe and to the connection yeah. uh, and the flow of stuff and like just to fast forward i suppose my life has progressed something huge since level one. Mm. I don't know if you're the same or what, but huge changes, and I think you are the same. We, 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 because we're on a very similar path, me yeah, and you, yeah, and it's yeah. like wow, like uh, <laughs> do you know, it's really amazing how this stuff unfolds. Like it is. Um, but I suppose like going to level two and that, and then you were at level two again, and like mm-hmm. there was no one else. Well, I think there was one other person, the girl. Yeah, was, yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah and she was right. with us as was well. And then at level three it was just like me, you, and uh, and two others, and yeah, two yeah. others as well. And it was like so me and you stayed together the whole three, way, like all and, the way. It's true, yeah. And and we didn't even know we were going to show up at them together or not because yeah. we weren't communicating. No, like. yeah. But uh, we were meant to be together through that, like, and we were meant to do that together at that time, like, 100%, and like. Yeah. I I think that's really beautiful that we got to share them experiences together. Yeah, you know, right the way through, like, yeah, yeah. So like, but the like, so going from there, like, and. Like just uh, my whole life has changed now, mm. you know. Um, as we were talking about, 
Yeah. And like that's as a result of the shift within me energetically or my spirit has uh, opened up more and I'm more in tune with stuff. Now, when I say I'm more, I'm still struggling a lot, right? Because <laughs> there's so much change. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> what do I do with this? Yeah, like what? what is that? Is this a test? But um, no, but like just how I've grown spiritually and I'm big into meditation now and I'm big into and I'm very I kind of have a deeper loving relationship with myself than I've ever had and I'm more gentle with myself and other people Um, you know and obviously I've changed my career as you know and I'm working in the addiction field now at the moment that's right Um, is that rewarding to work in the addiction field now yeah well I want to share this because like being in 12 step fellowships and uh, always being around people in recovery and being in the CE schemes and different things there's always around people in recovery like so you're always supporting and helping each other mm. right and like the one thing about two addicts in recovery we go to the end of the earth for each other do you know what I mean yes. and, and it's really huge like and, and people look down on, on people in active addiction right and not everyone and, and but a lot of people can don't understand it right, right. okay but when you have two addicts in recovery it's been my experience that they will do anything for each other yeah and I think it's because we understand the seriousness of addiction and how what it takes to get through mm-hmm. and, and when you have some guy who's just come in the door who's on day one like do you know that's the most important person because he's the one that's on the front line now and yeah. he's relying on someone like me or, or someone who else is further on than me to see that wow there is hope and, and if you get somebody in who, who has no experience with addiction yeah you're, you're, you're kind of guessing what addiction's like yeah it's hard it's hard to identify with the addict mm, do you know what I'm saying and, and uh, understand yeah yeah so, so so just what when you're saying that like for me to be in there now right and seeing these guys come in like raw like you know coming out methadone and some, like, some of them aren't like but they're very vulnerable and they're really early days like and it's a huge reminder for me as well where you were yeah and how easy I could go back there and how much does it help how, ground, ground you oh it's hugely grounding yeah because like uh, like uh, the way I see it is like I, I'm just there to support them guys and mm. I'm not better than them and I'm not worse than them I'm there with them and I could be easily coming in that door tomorrow do you know and I'm very aware of that like there's so like for me it's just about really loving and supporting them and and it's funny i didn't get into this work two or three years ago right Mm. even though i always kind of thought i would yes but it wasn't until i done the level one the level two and the level three reiki yeah that i got into this and the rahani and the rahani as well well. yep i said (laughs) but no like um yeah deadly stuff actually the way we've 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 moved together but like I think I'm at a place within myself where I can actually kind of be there without judgment, without allowing my yeah. own personal stuff to gain on these. Because it's very challenging in there. Like you know, you have people who can be very aggressive coming off drugs, and and you yes. have to be able to just be there for them in their pain. Mm. The same way people were there for me in my pain, and the same way that woman showed me my goodness. She had a big influence on you. Yeah, she had a huge influence on me because she was the she was one of my first point of, points of contact in there. And she just met me with love and she embraced me and she cared for me and she showed me that without wanting information from me or wanting to know anything. She was just there and she just pumped me with love. Like she just she filled me with love. holding a space of love for yeah, you to be Yeah, yeah, hugely. Like, and so when I'm there, like, I'm just... Uh, now, like, these guys, some of these guys are too sick to even receive anything or that, but you just be there with them. Yeah. You know, and you just kind of be there and you nurse them through it, like, and you support them. Do you see people come and go and go yeah, back out? Yeah, yeah, it's and, very and, common. Like, you might have a lad in there and he could be in there for a week and his sickness is just on him. 
and mm. the methadone's not enough and he just leaves because he just wants to use because he's just not able to stop you his addiction is so strong there's no matter what you do and you can try and try with a person but if he wants to go back out and use he, he, he will do that like you know, and I'm just saying he because it's men in there, but like there's women as well in another part I don't work in. Yes. But it's the same. I don't discriminate between men and women. Like, do you know? Yeah, it's, of course. It's, yeah. It's addiction is addiction doesn't it takes doesn't everyone. Matter. It and doesn't it doesn't care, matter what yeah. level you come from. Just because I came from where I came from, there's people who came from very uh, well-to-do families and that. Like, it doesn't yeah, matter where yeah, you come yeah. from. Addiction doesn't pick or choose. It'll just take everyone. Like getting into that field now, it's very rewarding for me. You know, mm. and and and. Like, it's not that I'm there to be rewarded as such, like, or that. But I'm there because I care a lot about, about people in addiction. And obviously, it's the feeling going into it. But at the same time, you know, people need support. People need that. They do. And, and, and like, not just in any in any aspect, if someone needs help or that, like, wherever they are, like, I'd always be trying to help people. And I'd always try and, and understand where someone's coming from and... and and, and see things from another person's point of view because you don't know what someone's been through or where they're coming from or what's gone on in their lives. Completely agree. You know, like, yeah. the same way people didn't know where I was coming from and a lot of doors were closed on me in life, like, and I don't forget that stuff, you yeah. know. So if I'm in a position to help someone, I will, if if I can. Yeah. I don't feel I have to help people or that. I mean, I'm all people or anything or that. I need to help everyone. No. But no, I know, but you're sensitive. You're yeah, aware of Yeah, of it, course. Like, like and, and like, if it's it's very simple, sometimes a kind word is all that's needed sometimes know, with people. Know, and yeah. just for someone to feel accepted or, or to be feel involved or, or acknowledged even sometimes is huge. I just see a huge amount of compassion for everyone. And even the people that are looking down their noses at people, I see compassion for them. Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? I do. Um, so there has to be like a, a love for everyone in yeah. my eyes, you know, and mm. you have to love people. Like I know incidents that happened there recently where a fella badly hurt a girl and all, and like, you know, that fella is also in a bad way mm-hmm. and he's carrying stuff and people are saying the girl, the girl, and yeah, she was the victim, of course, but he's also a very troubled person and people don't like to hear that and people get very uptight with no, you. No, they don't, they I, don't, I, yeah. I, I'm sorry, but people do better when they know better. You know, and that person's doing stuff, and he was probably seriously hurt and damaged. And in fact, I actually know he was seriously hurt and seriously damaged. Mm-hmm. You know, and I can't mention names, nor would I. Um, but it just goes to show that, like, that's society's view on people, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, like, you punish people for their mistakes, but yet you don't help them. Why did yes. they make that mistake? What was going on for you? What Why did you act on? the way you did? What, yeah. Do you know what's underlying? What's mm. going on there, like, you know? So, like, and of course, the girl probably done not uh, had no reason to deserve anything. Yes. In any way, of course not. And of course, needs to be treated the same. Yes. You know, and, and respected and shown love and compassion. You know. Um, mm. uh, so, like for me, it's uh, I suppose a lot of this stuff is about trying to see things from a loving and caring point of view. And the best thing that helped me in my life and has always helped me is being around people that are loving and caring. Yeah. And people that see me for who I am, accept me for who I am, mm. and treat me very kindly and fairly. And, and like, th- there doesn't need to be any bullcrap or, or anything like that, you know. And uh, and that's kind of, you know, been, probably been my experience. The, the significant changes have been through people who have been very gentle and very caring and very loving with me. Mm. You know, uh, that has been my experience. Yeah, that's helped you grow. Is the, is the gentleness, and when somebody shows a bit of gentleness, a bit of compassion, a bit of love, a bit of openness for you to be yourself in whatever way, shape, or form that you're in, yeah, is a, is a is a breeding ground for you to develop and for 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 you to 
to open up. Yeah, because I connect with people better. I connect mm. with people better when they're like that with me, rather yeah. than someone who's aggressive and that. And it trigger, it probably triggers me a lot uh, from my childhood. I don't know, but when people mm. are kind of coming across very aggressive or very blunt or that, I, I don't take the message very well. No, I don't think you're alone there. In fairness, uh, 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 yeah. uh, uh, and I kind of said to myself, ah, he's probably having a bad day. Leave him to it, or she's having a bad day, or whatever. Mm. Saying I'll pray for them or wish them well or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't take things usually. Uh, as well like so I, I try to approach people the way I like to be approached you know and yeah. and, and and that's just what works for me and, and that's just through, through the spiritual journey you yeah. know um, but like I just want to share this because I think it's very important for anyone that's out there that's struggling whether it's addiction or not like you know there's, you, there's huge support in Ireland uh, for people with mental health problems and, and that and um, I for any problems like you know there is huge support out there and there is loads of stuff online like the podcast there's there's plenty of stuff that you can avail of to get support and and to reach out to, to places like and um like for me like you know i didn't realize there was so much support until i got into recovery you know mm-hmm. and but i think since then to now like uh, social media and all has progressed so well and like it's so easy just to log on now to things and there's so yeah. much on youtube like and i want to just say one person who was hugely beneficial to me was a person called gabor mate yeah, yeah he and he speaks really well on addiction and yeah and for anyone who hears this podcast like he is definitely someone i would listen to mm-hmm. he's a, an unreal awareness about addiction mm-hmm. he describes addiction very well and he spent a lot of his time um sharing his knowledge on addiction you know and and he's someone who's carried me through phases in my recovery yeah you know um, yeah. yeah his information and hearing him talk about trauma and stuff like that and that has, has really helped me like so like he's one person that i would i would always kind of say knows his stuff mm-hmm. um but there is loads of support out there and, and I think it's important that like people hear that like that there is hope there is hope for people struggling like and like I got through what I got through because people have seen the good in me yeah you know and I'd always say surround yourself with people that see the good in you that'll help you and don't want that in return for helping you you know and that have a genuineness about them like you know because that's what that woman had for me she had genuineness for me she just wanted to see me get better like yeah um, and that was like a very starting point for me and I've met people like yourself people like Sinead like I've met loads of people now that are so genuine so caring and just, just want to see you do well and are just genuinely, genuinely there to hold space for you and that like and, and they're the kind of people I want to surround myself with because they're the kind of people that I grow around and benefit from being around and I feel happiest around yeah you know, and, and that's the biggest part of it. I get to see my worth and, and be happy. And I'm not sitting around people thinking, should I say this or that? I can just be myself, you yeah. know. And, and so, like, I, and it's not all about, like, oh, I'm great and how great I am and how great my life is. But coming from where I came from to get to where I am now is, is huge, yeah. you know. And I have to take a bit of kind of... Uh, um, I suppose pride in that, like you know, well, without a doubt, man. You know, without and, a doubt, and I'm, and I'm not trying to blow my own steam, but it's it's f- f- coming from that person that was in that way to get to this, to, to you know, I've I I thank God every day for that, like, and I and I pray most mornings, and I and I just thank the universe for for where it has me, mm-hmm. you know, and I see that as I don't see it as me, I'm not in the driving seat, and I get that completely, you know, and that even with how my life has evolved in the last year, Mark, there's no possible way. I would have thought me and you'd be sitting here together doing this podcast a year ago. Yeah. You see, and, like, I suppose that it's important that people see that there's hope out there if you're suffering and if you're struggling and, like, to reach out to things. And I think holistic therapies is a great way 
for people to even do you know I, I know there's treatment centres for addiction and I know that that's really important and and uh, but to even go to a holistic place I wish I had a knew about one of them when I was out there using I just didn't know about yeah. them and went in and met someone for a bit of rake here I would love in that probably would have been my new addiction <laughs> can, can I get two can I get two reiki sessions on take there please <laughs> I'll pay you next week I yeah, swear I'm good for it <laughs> oh well, that's true yeah like I when I first did reiki I, I, I didn't really know what it was but um, wow it's 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 unbelievable it really really is like it centers you, mm. yeah. You're mm. right. You're right. I think people are 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 opening up to a bit more, and there are a lot more centers popping up, yeah. And, yeah. and 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 you see it online a good bit, or maybe that's just the the circles that we're surrounding ourselves in that that we're seeing that that those people and and this movement. But yeah. uh, there's definitely an awakening. There's definitely more compassion. Yeah. There's a consciousness being raised, a higher consciousness with people. Definitely, I see that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And uh, so your next step now is to go on into into counselling and addiction, yeah, addiction counselling. Yeah, I'm starting Monday, um, at level eight in counselling and addiction, um, and that's the funny thing about the, this journey that that we're on, mm-hmm. that we've set out on together, uh, yeah. um, that I didn't realise that I was going to be doing this a year ago when I met you. Um, I was in as I said I was doing electrical and instrumentation work and uh, like I was at that like for four and a half nearly five years like and I didn't you know I thought that that I was going to just I never thought I was going to change like I thought Mm -hmm. that was what I was getting into Um, and then I done the level one and I remember Sinead saying like things change once you start getting into this work that your energy shifts and things that don't serve you get through to the wayside like Mm -hmm. uh, the universe just puts you where you need to be and all and then we ended up on the level two and I was like Jesus Christ I want to change my job now and all Uh, there was loads of things happening in my job right this is funny this is how spirit works right Mm -hmm. there was loads of things in my work that were popping up and I kept saying to myself I don't want to do this work anymore I'm not enjoying this and, and, and the universe was keep giving me signs Yes, that this wasn't for me because mm-hmm. I was in my head that oh, you shouldn't do this. Like this, I'm in this career, like and I'm halfway through, and I, you know, did 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 and like you're just going through a phase now, and like whatever. But it, it was strong in me, and what started to happen, right? I started ringing in sick. I wasn't right. getting up at half five in the morning anymore. I couldn't care, right? And then it got to the stage where I was ringing in sick, and I was it was being took out of my pocket. So they were like, uh, "Your mom was like to me, uh, the HR was like, Kenny, like you do realize that you're missing a lot of days now." And he's like, "Ah, oh, I've this going on and that going on. Just a bad time for me, you know." And I had a company vehicle, I had everything I wanted. The company I was working for, a very good company, like mm. you know, really good people, loving people, very it was one of the best jobs I ever had in that industry, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, they yeah, really yeah. supported you, like, and they've done loads of good things for me, like, and. Like, I have to say that, like, it wasn't the company. Yes. It was me. It was and, you, uh, yeah, change. Yeah, and uh, and I just went and handed in the keys, I handed back the van and everything, and I was like, fuck it, just, let's just do this, like, and uh, so I done it, and, like, nothing showed up or nothing was happening, I was like, there was a couple of weeks there where I was like, I need income, do you know what I mean? <laughs> what did I do? Yeah, yeah, and I just actually got talking to my counsellor, who was a good friend of mine, and uh, still is a good friend of mine, and... I was telling him everything because obviously he knew me inside out because we've been together. We went through a lot over the four and a half, five years. Mm. So like he was like, why don't you talk to career guidance counselor like and just see like what your options are like? And I did that and just the counseling and the addiction came up. Now here I am starting Monday. Do you know what I mean? And and that's all. Like we done level three in what Mar- in February. And then we done a Rahani then, like, what, was it May? The end of May? I think it was the end of May. It probably was, yeah. Yeah, like, so, it's just, everything is just really sh- tunneled, like, just really... Since then. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. and, and, 
like there's just huge changes going on in my life as we spoke about at the start like and lots of decisions and lots of things but like I've never felt as good and as positive like even physically my training my efforts in the gym my diet everything is becoming much more manageable as a result of doing this work and maybe it's a phase I'm going through maybe it's not but I, I find from October last year to now just things have just flown so beautifully for me yeah. even though there's been a few challenges and a few uncertainties and that it's like the universe just keeps showing up for me and I'm trusting in it and I'm open to it and, and I'm really listening. yeah I'm, I'm listening Mark yeah. yeah I'm trying well I'm trying to listen I'm trying to trust listen man you've, you've, you've had some journey dude you've had yeah. some journey like literally yeah. from from what seems like a really tough tough place to you putting yourself over you turning it around you putting in the work you mm. doing the spiritual mm. ground you doing the listening and watching for for signs and watching for 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 your as you say getting out of the head and into the heart opening mm. your heart space embracing it all and uh, it's beautiful to see it's beautiful to hear it's it's it's, it's, it's great to hear it and, and for anyone listening as well who's gone through a shit time or or knows somebody who's gone through a yeah, shit time and has no yeah. and has little hope for them there's always hope there's always hope yeah like so wow yeah that's me that's it um, yeah. t- listen just thanks very much to you and for everyone who's going to listen and that like you know and I just wish everyone well like you know nice one thank you thanks, thanks fair play much, yeah. thanks a little bit man Clap for an air. Clap for an air, boss. Nice song, man. Yeah.